There's no such thing as hopeless situations. There's only hopeless people. Something I was listening to earlier this week. And uh, it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? When there's stuff going on in the world and there's stuff going on in our lives. But our God is on his throne. And uh, whilst what goes on around us saddens him and breaks his heart, his plan of salvation, redemption, and transformation of the nations of the earth is unshaken, unshaken. He's in charge. He's in charge. And he is so good as we've sung and as someone prayed earlier. He will pour his goodness into the most broken situation and bring out something beautiful in the end. Something beautiful in the end. And so we can have hope. And so we can have faith and expect to see his kingdom come and expect to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have this incredible tool of prayer. And he's given it, he's put it in our hands and he says, here you go. Now what are we gonna do together? What are you gonna do with this thing that I've put in your hand? It's so important that we started out today worshiping and, and focusing our eyes on him because it's so easy all week long, our eyes are focused on all the stuff. And when we start there, we kind of start with our hearts and our minds full of earth and we pull this heavy weight towards heaven. But he says, no, fix your eyes on me the author, perfecter of your faith. And then, with me, let's bring heaven to earth. Let's see his kingdom released into the Ukraine, into Bishop Stortford, into your desk at work, into your conversations with your family. That's, that's what he wants to do. It's, it's a very hope-filled picture because he has done everything necessary to bring the transformation of the nations and salvation to the ends of the earth. So we have hope. We have hope. It's just a question of what we do with what we've got. How many of you are a member of any club? Any club? Sports clubs? Tiddlywinks clubs? Any society? You know, I'm a member of a gym. I've been a member of a gym most of my life. You can tell. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously what you do with that membership. Is <laughs> the thing. But when I go to my gym, I am welcome. I'm really welcome. I walk in, I say hi to the guys at the desk. They laugh. Here he is again. <laughs> What's he doing? No. But I'm welcome. I know I can go there. I know that, I, 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 in a sense, I belong. And uh, wherever you 
participate, whatever clubs, societies, things you go to, when you walk in there, if you've paid your dues, you know, you're, you're a member, you walk in, you belong, and you have this choice. Okay, what am I going to do while I'm here today? And I think it was Nigel, as he, or someone anyway, as we, as we walked our way through this morning and through that time of worship, there's this recognition, this reminder to us all, we belong in the courts of heaven. We actually belong there. We are, we are citizens of, of two realms. You have your, your citizenship in this nation or another nation here on earth. You have your address with your postcode here, but you have your address in your postcode in heaven. You belong there. It's real. If you are in Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, have given your life to him, you have your name and address written in the courts of heaven, and you belong there. In fact, you are just as welcome in the courts of heaven as Jesus is. Now, get your head around that for a second, because everybody went, yeah, ooh. Yes, when Jesus walks into the courts of heaven and he sees his father and, and he, he's surrounded by glory, he is 100% eternally welcomed and adored and worthy to place his feet in that place of incredible beauty and glory. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have given your heart to him, then you are just as welcome in the courts of heaven next to the throne of our King as Jesus Christ is. Do you believe that? Hmm. Okay. The reason I say that is because again and again in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul and other New Testament writers, they use the phrase of those of us who are Christians they use the phrase, you are in Christ. You are in Christ, clothed in who he is. I think it's something like 143 times in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses this phrase, now that you are in Christ, to those who are in Christ in Philippi, those who are in Christ in Ephesus, wherever he's writing his letters to, you are in Christ. So where Christ is welcome, you are welcome. Where Christ is, has, the, has the right and the authority to be, so do you. So do you. Because you are clothed completely and perfectly in him. When the Lord God Almighty looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees his perfection. He doesn't see Michael, and say, well, yeah, man, if only you were more like Christ. No, he says, welcome, perfect son, perfect son, because of Christ, because he sees all of the righteousness of Jesus Christ pressed into your nature, pressed into every part of who you are. That's what salvation has done for you. The theological term is imputed. You'll probably never use that in any context in this world whatsoever. But all of that glory and perfection of Jesus has been 
pushed into your nature. It now fills every part of your DNA and you are just as welcome in the courts of heaven as Jesus Christ himself. Question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with it? Because we have been invited into that incredible access. Like what, what access that is. You get to come into the very presence of the living God. And you are invited into that place, not just for a little warm fuzzy, if you know what I mean by that, a little kind of snuggly feeling. You are welcomed, invited into that place to talk with the creator of the universe in prayer. We call it prayer. He calls it conversation. We talk with the creator of the universe and together we co-labor with the creator of all things to bring the will and the perfection of heaven into the earth. So we are meant to go into this place where we have legal access and welcome. And we're meant to co-labor with him to release all of that glory and beauty into everything that we do when we sit behind our desk on a Monday morning, when we go out to work, when we go to the school gate, when we go to Sainsbury's or wherever you do your shopping, you carry the presence of the King of Kings. His hand is in your hand and his invitation through prayer, that continued relationship is, what are we gonna do to bring heaven to earth? What possibilities? What possibilities we have? Are we... Are we taking hold of them? Are we laying hold of these things? You know, this is, if you can see it, I apologize for the colors up here. I realized when I came in this morning, this could have chosen better colors for my slides. But this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's not something that Jesus himself would have prayed because later on it says, you know, forgive us our sins and Jesus was sinless. But he was teaching his disciples how to pray. And he said to them, pray like this, our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, actually, Bible translators have added a few little words in there to make it sound nice. Because the actual phrases in Greek are a little bit more like this. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. It's it's. Who's a, who likes grammar? It's active imperative. What? It means a command. It's a command. Yeah? So kingdom of God, come. Not may your kingdom come. It's a little bit soft. Softer than the way it was actually written. Kingdom of God, come. Can you see that in your prayer life? Can you see that in the brokenness in the world around you? Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done right here. Will of God be done. Not may it be thy will. Will of God be done. This is a powerful declaration prayer that Jesus has given us the authority and the power to, to proclaim from that place of absolute intimate access. It starts out our Father. It places us in that location next to his glory where we recognize we belong and we say, our Father, my heart is filled with an image, with the glory of who you are. 
You amaze me, Jesus. I am spellbound by your majesty. I can't, I can't express words that describe how incredible you are. And now with that in my mind, I say, kingdom of God, come. It changes our prayer time a little bit, doesn't it? When we know where we stand, we know where we belong, and we declare with his authority, his power, his, his perspective from heaven to earth. And God, he is, he is committed to answering our prayers. Just because you haven't seen the breakthrough for the thing that you are praying does not mean that he's not interested. God would not give us a prayer like this one and say, pray this, but nothing's going to happen. Pray this and it'll, it'll keep you busy. It'll keep you active, might even keep you positive, but don't get your hopes up. He's not like that. If he was like that, he'd be like the father in this picture who throws a little girl in the air and goes, right, I'm off. He is not vicious and insensitive like that. He gives us a prayer to pray because he knows that through that tool in our hand, his kingdom will be released on the earth because his heart is, I want to answer the prayers that flow out of intimacy with me. That's what he wants to do. He loves to answer our prayers. Would somebody, actually, help me out, I haven't got my Bible with me, would somebody just quickly read that passage um, in the New Testament where um, you know, Jesus teaches about how we deal with prayers that aren't answered? Um, oh, there isn't one, that's right. There isn't a passage where Jesus teaches us how to deal with unanswered prayers. There just isn't one. What does that tell you? Tells me that answered prayers are actually God's design. It's his design. When you, when you find that the, the cry of your heart is not seeing the response that you long for, it does not mean that God is disinterested or that he has written you off and doesn't want to listen to you. Of course, there are times where there is delay and where there is process. And just a couple of quick things on that. At least, there are at least two reasons for delay and process in seeing our prayers answered. One is that there is spiritual battle taking place because we do not wage war as humanity wages war. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. So there is a spiritual battle going on. And as you pray, you are leaning into that spiritual battle. And that's why we get passages of scripture where again and again we are encouraged, persist, keep pressing in, keep praying, keep praying, come back again, come back to the throne, lay hold of heaven again, declare his, his rule, his reign, his righteousness. So there may well be a spiritual battle. Or in the process, the Lord is preparing you so that you can actually handle the breakthrough that he gives you. Think about 
the, the whole nation of Israel, as they came to the edge of the promised land, the Lord said, this land is yours. Pardon the sniff. <clears throat> I must be careful with these things on when I sniff. But gets to the edge of the promised land, the Lord says, this land is yours. Now go in and take it one battle at a time. I'm not going to give you the whole land all at once. Because if he had done, the people themselves would not have been equipped to keep what the Lord had given them. And it's the same for us. We, we take steps in prayer. We take the land. It becomes ours. We inherit it fully. We see the next piece of land that he's inviting us to take. We step into it in prayer. We lean into it until it's ours. And the breakthroughs often come incrementally, one step at a time, one step at a time. Sometimes it happens just like that. Caught your eye there. But I know of one lady who's sitting amongst us who over the last three to four years has seen the breakthrough from incredible physical disability to practically complete restoration. Is that right? So we lean in. We don't pray once. We pray we pray. Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is, is in every breath. It's, you know, we breathe in his, his beauty, the, the imprint of heaven, and we breathe out our, our decrees and our cries in prayer. And he loves to answer. It's how he shows himself to be a good father. Luke 11 you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. How much more? Would your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those of you who ask? The Lord is saying, look, I love to answer prayer because I'm a good father. Because it's in my heart to show you how good I am. It's one of the key ways he reveals his heart. Jesus says to his disciples, if you read John chapters 14, 15, and 16 in three chapters, he says four times, ask whatever you wish and I will give it to you. Ask whatever you wish and I will give it to you. What's the context? These are people who love his presence, who love walking with him, who, are, who, are, who have learned what it is to lean into the side of Jesus and say, Lord, you have all the answers that my soul longs for. I come to you and God... Jesus, in this moment, says to them, yes, ask whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. Ask, and you will receive that your joy will be complete. He wants us to be the most joy-filled people on the planet because we see consistent answers to prayer. We've got to have one another in this because reality check is, I do not consistently see every one of my prayers answered just like that. But if we as a community of 200 or so people have a consistent flow of testimony that says, hey, this week, guess what God did? This week, guess what God did? Yesterday, you'll never believe it, but after all this time, God has answered. When we hear that week in, week out, it's not just a nice little space filler we do at the start of a meeting. This is an invitation for us to build one another up, to see our faith increase and our confidence grow, that God answers prayer. And there was something else. Oh, yes, I've spoken about this one already. 
the parable of the persistent widow. Always pray. Never give up. And that's not beat us over the head with it. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. No, it's because of who I am, because of my heart, which is lavish and full of a desire for you to walk with joy and with breakthrough. Don't give up because the breakthroughs are coming again and again and again because I love to answer prayer. It's just what he does. Going to heaven is not your assignment. I repeat, going to heaven is not your assignment. It is your destiny if you follow Jesus. But we so often get our destiny and our assignment mixed up. Our destiny as believers in Jesus Christ is we will be with him in glory. And it will be beyond words. Beyond words. That is our destiny. Our assignment is to co-labor with the creator of the universe and see heaven released on earth through answers to prayer. That is your assignment. Every day. Every day. When you're working in Nando's. Wherever it may be. Heaven invading earth in answers to your prayer. When you're at the woodworking table, heaven invading earth in answers to your prayer. When you're dropping off your kids at school, when you're sitting in the boardroom, when you're having a Zoom call, which we all love. <laughs> heaven invading earth in answers to your prayer for your work colleagues in their situations, wherever that may be. What we need to do and what we're invited to do every, in every situation is to fill our minds with the vision of the reality that we have access to the throne of God. And then ask Holy Spirit, show me, what does heaven look like in this situation that I'm dealing with on earth? And then pray it. Say, let your not let your kingdom come. Kingdom of God, come, come. So, all of us, put yourself where you belong. You belong in the courts of heaven. You belong next to the throne of the King of Kings. Holy Spirit, show us all in this moment. What does heaven look like in the midst of this crisis? And I want us to take a few minutes and I want to invite those of you who are here today as you feel compelled to come and pray, then come grab a microphone from one of these guys at the front and pray. If you don't, it's going to be quiet for a little while. <laughs> but I, I, I know that we have come today as a community of his people with a burden in our hearts for this nation. 
And it's so right that we let that burden form our prayers and shape the way that we pray. So take a moment. And then just when you're ready, we can take a bit of time on this. Come up and take the microphone and pray.